Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I actually look forward to failing because I know with that, I'm going to get growth. I'm going to learn something about myself and hopefully I'm going to be able to better myself in some way or build a skill set that I need to build. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. My name is Sam Webb and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. G'day everyone and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so grateful to be joined with each of you today. Thanks for listening. I don't know where you are and uh, what countries you're from. I do do a bit of research and look at where our listeners are coming in from and it's so great to know that we're reaching 60 plus countries around the world with this podcast and I'm very, very grateful as is the team at Livin'. Thank you guys so much. Wherever you are, whatever time zone you're on, whatever you're up to right now, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time out to listen. Even if you're listening in for 15 minutes, a minute, five minutes, the whole episodes, it takes a lot of uh, self-control to be able to stay committed to these and to take that time out of your day to further upskill your own self with knowledge and education so that you can live well and live better. And that's what the aim of this podcast is. And that's a promise that I want to make to each and every one of you with the guests that we bring onto this show. So thank you. If you're a new guest and a new listener, I should say, welcome. My name is Sam Webb and this podcast is called It Ain't Week to Speak, powered by Livin'. It's a charity we started in 2013 after we lost our very dear friend, Dwayne Lally, to suicide. Uh, He struggled with mental health challenges in silence. And uh, everything that we do is around breaking the stigma around mental health and, and educating people that it ain't weak to speak. So welcome. I hope you guys stay with me for the future. If there's any feedback or any comments, please see the show notes inside the description on your iPhone or Samsung in Spotify, iTunes, wherever it is, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can access all of that straight from your device. But let's get straight to it, guys. I've got a wonderful guest today. Her name is Lola Berry, and I was very fortunate enough to to catch up with Lola in person, actually here in Los Angeles, before she left back to Australia to do her 10th or 11th book tour, that is. She's releasing the book called Fearlessly Failing, which is the name of this episode. I'm going to dedicate this to her new book release and everything that she does, but she's actually an author of over 10 books, a world-class human who's done remarkable things. She's got a Bachelor of Health Science. I believe she majored in nutritional medicine at Endeavor College of Natural Health, which is one of the more established, well-known colleges that focuses on health. Lola knows what she's talking about, that's for sure. She's got a lot of lot of insights. She started businesses. She's failed businesses. She started businesses. She's maneuvered into different businesses. She's an author. She's been a TV host. She's been on TV a number of times. She's she's an influencer. She's an ambassador. There's probably not much that this lady can't do. And I'm actually just grateful to actually, you know have this time to spend with her today to talk to her about all things failing, what that looks like, how has she failed in her life, how she hit rock bottom, and how she keeps coming back and starting new ventures and, and new business opportunities. And how does she stay on top of all that? And I think probably comes down to one of her famous sayings is you will fail and that's okay. So if that resonates with each of you today, or if you failed in your life and you've berated yourself for doing a bad job or that you suck and all that sort of stuff, this is the episode you want to listen into. This is about trying to rewire those thinking and those thoughts so that we can speak more positively to ourselves and set better expectations and learn from our past 
challenges because truthfully at the end of the day without those mistakes what do you really learn i feel like the biggest learning experiences do come from making those mistakes and those errors in life and it's about making changes so that you don't make them again and uh progressing forward in whatever part of your life that is whether it's relationships business personal whatever i mean at the end of the day failing is a part of life and it's about looking at that from the right perspective but i don't want to keep rambling on no matter what i say is not going to do lola any justice so i'm just going to let her take the stage and uh we're going to welcome her with open arms welcome on to the podcast i'm sitting here actually in wonderful los angeles with none other than the fearlessly failing leader herself lola berry Lala, welcome on board. Ah, oh, I'm honored to be here, my friend. Loving it. We just done a podcast on your show. Yeah. Here we're going back to back. We're doing a back to back pod swap. I feel like we're going to be exhausted and very hungry after this. Starving. <laughs> and I can't wait for you to show me what's around the corner here. You've been talking it up, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. But just to set this foundation nice and clear for our listeners and our audience, the people that might not know who you are, and I want to give them a bit of backstory as to how we connected, let's dive straight into it. I met you three or four weeks ago yeah we went on a little catch-up but you've you met my co-founder casey in living two or three years ago yeah two or three years ago and then i was connected to you via dustin who i just met through another friend talk about the world putting people in the right places for the right reasons but anyway long story short we met we connected a lot of similar interests but yeah Got a book tour coming up in Australia later this year, November 1st, you're dropping it, Fearlessly Failing. And I really want to talk to you about not the book in itself, but I want to talk to you about this journey that you're on because you've done some remarkable things over the years. And I'm only just coming to light on some of the things that you've done, some of the things that you've really succeeded at. You're talking to me off air about some of the things that you've, you've failed. And one of those things you mentioned that the word failing or failure isn't actually a negative word. Can you talk to me more about what that actually means? Yeah. I mean, I've actually had guests on my podcast that won't allow me to use the word failure when I'm interviewing them and said, can we call it a lesson? And I'm like, of course, like I fully respect whatever anybody needs and, and respect the guests. But I think failure is an awesome word. Like I actually look forward to failing because I know with that I'm going to get growth. I'm going to learn something about myself and hopefully I'm going to be able to better myself in some way or build a skill set that I need to build. And I think being in acting school, you're forced to fail all the time. Like you'll drop an accent or you'll F something up or drop a line. or And so you're constantly like, that's what I love about acting school. One, it scares me so much. I like the feeling of being scared and sitting in fear, basically. I enjoy that feeling. But yeah, I think failing is cool. I think it's an awesome thing. And so the, that's what, the podcast was the first thing that kind of like evoked that concept and I thought well insta is such a highlight reel what you see on social media and you know all the glitz and glam of like all these actors are at the Venice Film Festival at the moment and we're seeing all this like highlight reel and I thought how cool would it be to create a space where we have very real conversations that sure talk about and celebrate the highlights but also like the bumps in the road because arguably they might be more important and that's why I love failure. Mm. Very well said. So for those of the people that are listening though, that might be like, well, what do you mean failure? It's a negative word. I hate failing all the time. I don't know how to deal with failure. Where did this, I guess, acceptance, to me, it sounds like you accept the word failure as something that's good. It's like a learning. I'm hearing you say like, it's almost like a learning curve. It's probably not normal territory that you've actually been in. Where did that start for you though? It had to have started from somewhere. How did you change your perception on the word failure? and failing. I think I failed a truckload. <laughs> and I think like I'm 35, so I'm old enough now to be able to have a bit of perspective to be able to look back at those failures and be like, "Oh my goodness, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have learned all these things or it wouldn't have pushed me to get my green card and come to America or it wouldn't have got me out of that toxic relationship." Because I have the gift of a little bit of age versus when I was in my 20s, I have this perspective of like, "Whoa, if I look back at all those really uncomfortable things that were horrible in the moment, they actually become all these moments of like such wisdom and learning about who you are. And like if I didn't go through a really rough breakup five years ago, I would never have gone to therapy. 
And now therapy is like my non-negotiable and it's something that makes me be able to process failure even faster and welcome it, you know. So I, I see the failures as gifts. Okay. We're on the same page in that regard. I think failing or, or mistakes in, in a certain way, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, is very much similar. You almost need to make mistakes in order to grow, in order to move forward and, and put those steps in the right place to get you to the place where you probably will end up being. Is that correct? Totally, 100%. And like what you and I were discussing on my pod when I was interviewing you, the human experience isn't all just sunshine and peaches and cream and, yeah. you know, the human experience is pain. It is tough. It is grief as well. It is stuffing up, making mistakes, failing. That is part of the human experience and that's where I – like to kind of like delve into those areas and and uncover them in a bid to hopefully inspire people that might listen to it and go, oh my goodness, that happened to me. And I don't need to take all that on. It's just a thing that happened and hopefully I can learn from it. Yeah. How do you know though that you're going to be able to learn from it? That's the In the thing. moment. Yeah. Because yeah. in the moment, you and I both know, we can sit here and say our skin's thick, which it probably is, and we're in acting and we're, we're, we get rejected all the time because that's the industry we're in. You know, we're both entrepreneurs in our own right. And we we're talking off air before about your smoothie bar that you had back home in Australia. And we'll talk about that in a minute and the failings around that and what you learned. But how do you know, though, in the moment? Is it something that just comes with time? Do you train yourself? Do, you, do people have to speak up and, and change their, their relationship with the word failing in order to feel that it's not so negative after all. Like, cause I know I've been in some shitty situations where there is no way that I deserve that. And I thought, well, why me? Why me? And then in three or four months time, I'm like, I'm really glad that happened because now that allowed me to do this. So I get that but in the moment. What are oh, some tools? In the moment, it sucks. So bad. <laughs> I do not want to sit here and be like, oh, yeah. Even last week I had an ex-business partner bring out a competitive product to me, like the very exact same, exact same market. And basically, like, it was a really shitty business move and really hurt me 100%. But, like, Lola, say, two years ago would have been like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Like, sorry, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, of course. Go hard. <laughs> and probably would have made a call that I would have regretted, like an actual phone call and let that person have a piece of my yeah, mind. Yeah, so would have got angry and resentful yeah. and like na not nasty, but like, yeah, are, yeah. Like, I'm the victim this. and all that. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. And I just saw it and I felt it and I was like, okay, well, that hurts. That feels like a really low blow and a kind of snaky business move. Yeah, of course. And I just said, Lola, don't react. That was my only goal that I had to do. I was just like, feel shit, sit in it talk to my support network, my boyfriend, like talk to things that made me feel grounded and process it however I need to process. And I gave myself like a day or two to just be like, oh, that really sucked. I didn't react though. I'm sure like in a couple months time, I'll be so grateful that that ex-business partner did that to me. I'm sure I will look back and be like, I am probably more resilient as a result of being fucked over a little bit. I'm hearing you say then, it sounds like that it's not the acting in the moment or reacting, it sounds like it's the emotional side of things. You've left your emotions out of it in that moment of reacting. So you've been more rational. Is that right? Well, I've learned that through not being that way though. Like, okay. do you know, like the smoothie bar? Oh, like I was so emotional in every decision I made. It was emotive. I was friends with all my staff members. Rookie error. Like I didn't build respect. I built no friendships, and stuff. zero boundaries. I knew who every staff member was dating. Like I was like their big sister and it was the best business lesson, but it was like an epic failure on my half big time. And I was so emotional with every decision I made with every staff meeting. I was completely unprofessional. Whereas now. In what way though do you mean that? Like when you say it was an epic failure and I was so unprofessional. I was too close to them and there was no boundaries. Talk to me more precisely about that. What do you yeah. mean? Yeah. Okay. So the moment that we decided to sell, we had five partners. I was one of the five partners and I was the only female of the, all the partners, which is didn't matter at all. But like when you hear my reaction, <laughs> my paint a picture, these guys have been in business, they're entrepreneurs, they've shut down businesses multiple times over. So for them, it's like another Wednesday. It's another Wednesday. Yeah. And for me, this was my baby. 
Right, like, like the blood, sweat, and tears. This is a lot of egos involved oh, in it too. Self worth, yeah. ego. We weren't using even agave. There was no sugar in the menu. Like our smoothies were made from activated macadamia nuts from Byron Bay. Like the ethos behind it. Like you would go into the smoothie bar and get a crystal every time as, as yeah, a gift well, from us. Like that was the ducks' nuts. Yeah, okay. loved it. So it was in Melbourne, and Melbourne is like Siberia in winter. If anyone that's not been to Melbourne, horrible. And yeah, and we couldn't sell smoothies. No one wants to buy smoothies on a cold winter's day in Melbourne. Even though we have played with the menu and switched to toasties and soups and oatmeal and whatnot, it didn't work. It was known as a smoothie bar and it just did not work when we tried to flick it to winter items in the winter. And so every single winter for three winters straight, we had to float it. So that means all us partners had to throw cash in to keep the business running. And the doors open. Doors open, people paid, orders paid. And we'd done our third winter. We'd come out the other side of it. And summers were the opposite. They were like queues out the window and the machines couldn't even keep up. Like it was, we needed more blenders. We needed more ice machines. More we needed, yeah. And so it was like literally like day and night, polar opposites. And this business partner said, Lola, I'm out. You can buy all of us out really cheap. And I think everybody in that room expected me to say, yeah. Like it's got my name on the door. It was literally called Happy Place Lola Berry. Like all the logos, everything, my ego was fully attached. And I said, I want two weeks. You know, let me go think about this for two weeks. I burst into tears, first of all. This is what I was saying. Like I was so emotional. Booked him with my therapist straight away and I was like, what do I do? I can buy it for really cheap and I can run this. And he's like, this is not at all in line with your big dreams. Your dream is to act and be a TV presenter in America why are you looking at running a smoothie? He's like, you need to be in the space to make it fly. We've worked together for three years at this stage. And he's like, you've never once said to me that this is your dream. And he's like, you need to really get clear. And he's like, and we did heaps of work on letting it go and loving it, but letting it go. And we worked through my concerns letting it go. And I was really attached to my staff, which you probably gathered. And and what worked in the benefit of that when I said that was a failure, which it was, but I was able to write into the contract that my staff would be carried over in the new contract. Yeah, so yeah. they were so protected. And stuff, yeah. yeah. And so like I felt really good knowing that they were secured. Yeah, yeah. They were I was like a mama here, yeah, you know. Yeah, there was no real clear cut difference between a friend and an employee sort of thing. It was too much more on the personal side. You put that down to like a big learning curve. So if you were to do another business, what what would you say to people that are listening that maybe are looking to start a business or who are business owners that are struggling with this exact thing? What is some good advice you could give or what would you give to yourself for the next venture? The core value that I would instill from the get-go is respect. Okay. And that's what I didn't do. So what do you mean respect? So for example, I had an, one of the business partners, he was incredible. Like I learned so much from him and his name is Locke and like when I – bald and cried in front of all the partners he walked me to my car and I still remember I was crying and I was like you're not gonna be my friend anymore he was like is that what you're worried about oh. <laughs> like I was so attached yeah, and okay. on a personal I'd never done this before I'd written books yeah, I yeah. never had a physical like hospo business where people's livelihood is relying yeah, on you yeah. you know I'd never had it and I was yeah super personally attached to my friends I had great friendships that even my business partners then as well and so when I say respect I mean we had a mixed bag but it was very much a feminine space at the beginning and um everyone was like oh we're scared of lock you know because he would be like guys it's dirty you need to clean this whereas I'd be like can you clean this yeah you okay. sort of felt bad to ask there's not a lot of authority because you you hadn't created that work boss balanced the uh, friend balance that's what I mean oh, and okay. he nailed that we'd got a little bit of negative feedback early on and um he was like, I want you to do this. And I did, I felt horrible. Like, and I was, and respect was the only cornerstone that I cared about in that meeting. And I remember I felt like I'd totally like shat on my friends basically. And he was and afterwards, he said, I'm so proud of you. Cause that wouldn't have been easy. And it, how did it make you feel after it all? I felt crap. Yeah. Cause I'd done too much damage. Like I'd built too much. To then go back, it was yeah. a bit too late to yeah, start. Way too that late. should have been done at the start. Correct. Like, you had to ask someone to do something. It's like, oh, would you mind doing it? Instead, I'd be like, I want you to do this today, this today, and that today. It's just a bit more directive. Yeah, maybe. which I could totally do now. I actually love that energy. I yeah, like. And being I get direct. that from you. Like I'm in the room with you. I get you'd be very good at giving direction and setting boundaries and taking responsibility if it's your project or someone else's. And I think you'd be very good at delegating work as well, where work is needs to be delegated. 
now I am yeah. after like so much work on myself. And that comes from the failings. Yeah. So it comes from what you've learned. Totally. And instead of I'm hearing and this is what I'm loving and I think a lot of people and the people I've spoken to over the years and that I hear and watch through social media is like dealing with loss or dealing with setbacks or failures or mistakes has been classified as like a bad thing. Like it's not actually, I think there's a lot of power in that stuff that people can use. They can flip it to learn from it, to make their future or whatever they're doing next a lot more beneficial, but healthier. Totally. Instead of ruminating on what could have done, should have done, how did I do it? You know, and I'm sure you probably went through some of that stuff too with the smoothie bar in Melbourne. Until I had a therapist, I would ruminate everything. I'm a Virgo. I'm an overthinker. You saw the amount of notes I had just on you for the pod. That's good. Yeah, it's good now. But like in my 20s, my therapist let me, he's like, you're a very anxious person. I was like, no, no, I'm not. I didn't realize that I was very highly strung and I was very reactive and emotionally reactive and it wasn't sustainable for business or success, I don't think. So what, what do you think is the biggest takeaway from it all, from failing? And we'll talk about more about your books and what you've studied and, and what you're doing now. But what would be the number one takeaway from those experiences? Because I've, I've heard you say emotions and all this stuff. How do you keep them separated? I still struggle with it all the time. It's like you want to rea- react in a, an emotional sense. But if you just sit on that email for 24 hours or two days, you gather better thoughts. And it comes from a more granted place. I'm a big believer in also writing the email but not hitting send. Some days I'm not so good like I still hit send because I am a very direct person and I'm very comfortable with confrontation. I don't mind having a really meaty, honest conversation and also I'm really comfortable owning when I stuff up. I write about that in the book actually. I had a friend that I used to walk with all the time. His name's Tim. He's a legend. We were formal partners. So we've known each other for friggin' yonks. OG. And to this day, we're still really great mates. But I was 23. We were doing our regular walk. And one day we walked and I didn't ask anything about him. I was really in a dark place, had an eating disorder. All my self-worth stuff was just like down the gurgler. And I wasn't getting help. And I couldn't even acknowledge that I had a problem. He knew he's a doctor. He knew straight up. But after that, like I was so, I was in a hole. So I didn't even notice that he didn't reach out for one of our walks. And we ran into each other two years later at a party. I was like, Tim, oh my God, I've missed it. Like, how have you been? Like, thought nothing of it. And he's like, you fucking kidding? He's like, Lola, like I haven't spoken to you in two years because that day around the town, you never bothered to ask even how I was. And I remember in that moment, I was like, I'm so sorry. I messed up. I fully messed up and I fully like took ownership and apologized. And then after the party reached out to him and was like, can we actually have a conversation about this? And he shared how it made him feel. And I really opened up to him about where I had been at that stage of my life. And we became so much closer after that. But I'd stuffed up. I was fully narcissistic in that stage of my life. Like, and all of my value was on aesthetics and the wrong kind of thing but um I nearly lost what is now one of my like awesome mates that I would be devastated if I lost yeah wow yeah well thanks for sharing that I appreciate that and it's amazing what can come of having those hard honest conversations with people you end up cutting through a lot of that shit we all spend time beating around the bush because we don't want to let people down or let them in on something that they might judge us for but I feel like a lot of the time if you can just talk straight through it and be honest can change relationships literally like you've just mentioned in a moment. When do you know how to call it quits on things like businesses and relationships or ventures or passion projects? Like it sounds like to me you've done a fair bit and we haven't even touched the iceberg in this conversation really. You've written a lot of books. I'm sure there's a lot of other book ideas that you've had over the years if you've already released 10 and your 11th one's coming out November 1st called Fearlessly Failing. It's hard to say. Fearless, well, I'm trying to say it in American, fearlessly. I noticed you've been dropping yeah, the odd roadie car, my friend. Fearlessly failing. Um, When do you know how to quit? When, with a business, for example, in Melbourne. Yeah, it didn't align with your values, but when did you know that I'm going to let this go and this is... I've got to be honest, that was through therapy and sitting with it and processing it. But I recently had a meeting with someone 
that I was going to work with in a professional manner. And um, I said, look, you should know what my ultimate goals are. And I was like, I want to be like Steve Colbert. I want to host a late night talk show. She spat her vino out and started laughing at me. And at the moment, like she held the power in that meeting. Like I was working with her. She was going to help me with something. So I needed her in that moment. And I remember I sat there. My boyfriend was upstairs. There was a meeting in Sydney. I was staying in a hotel. I listened to the rest of the meeting. I walk straight upstairs to Matt. I call him the boss. And I go, I can't work with that human. And I ended it. it. I probably processed it for a little while, let it sit. I really let it marinate to make sure that I wasn't like making a really bad business choice. And within two weeks I'd cut that. I went above the person and wrote an email to just make sure that that we weren't working together. I had no problem with them. Like they were funny and they had all these great attributes, but I was like, I can't afford to have someone on my team that does not believe in me. It's so detrimental to me career-wise. It's kind of toxic too for a workplace really. Totally, but I was wrapped that I could feel it in the moment like and just be like, oh, totally fine that you don't believe in me. Plenty of people don't believe in me. That's no probs, but I can't afford for that to be someone that's going to be representing or working with me. Even in LA, like I've I've had to call it quits on a friendship since I've been here that was yeah. really awesome. And they I'd never been gaslit before. And I was like, oh wow, this person's trying to gaslight me. And I just called it out. For in those the who don't know what gaslighting is, do you want to explain? Yeah. Do you know the theory behind gaslighting? A little bit, but in the situation I was in, I had called out some shitty behavior and they turned it around and were like, You're just really stressed about your flight back to Australia. It's really just your stress. It's all you, Lola. And then I started bawling my eyes out because it felt so bad. Like I I was like, oh. So manipulative. Super manipulative. The theory actually comes from, I didn't know this, but the name gaslighting is like, it's an old theory from when there used to be gas lights, like literally in the house, your lights would be powered by gas. And a husband was trying to make his wife feel crazy. And so he'd turn the light down and she'd be like, is the gas going out? And he's like, no, you're crazy. And then when she wasn't looking, he'd turn the lights back up. So that's where the theory of being gaslit comes from. Yeah, so I was really, again, I was able to do that in the moment. And you must I have just... felt pretty good about it. Like... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. In a way where you've like... It hurt. It did hurt. Of course it would hurt. Yeah. And talk to me about the hurt. Like it hurt you personally? Yeah. So in the moment I was like, hey, what you just did was mean and it hurt me. And then they turned around and were like, oh, no, you're just really, you're just really stressed. And then I started crying. So in the moment I was like, oh, this is horrible. And then as I walked away, 
I was like, oh, I'll never see that person again. And I could just feel it. Like I, I in the middle of a day I drive, I just started boiling. I was shopping with this person and I just started boiling my eyes out. By the time I got home, driven from Rodeo to Los Feliz where I live, I was like, oh, I, w- I will never see them again. I just knew it. Because I knew in the moment that that's, again, the wrong kind of human for me to have. Because I think as well, we're giving acting a crack in LA, arguably one of the hardest professions, most competitive, 98% failure rate. I don't think you can afford to have anything like that around you. I think you've got to be so clear. I'm obsessed with this TV show at the moment called Friday Night Lights. I don't know if you've heard of it. I have. I haven't watched it though. Nadia loved it. Oh, she loved yeah. it. It's, it's like iconic. Because the same lead out of that did that show out in Texas, Waco. Yes, 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 yes. There's a lot of big actors in it that are yeah. doing so well now. So they were, I think it was made like 15 years yeah. ago. So it was like a teenage angsty, but it was set on a football field, right? Hence Friday Night Lights. And they have a saying before they go out and play and it's clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. And I love it, right? It's like my full mantra at the moment. So I'm like, good. thank you, Friday Night Lights. I've just got my new mantra. But I love it. I was like, I've got to be clear eyed. Like, I've got to be able to sniff out bullshit and know when stuff's not right. Full heart, like, give everything your fullest, like, give everything yeah. 100%. Don't leave anything. Then you're not going to yeah. lose. Yeah. Love it. And you're putting everything out there, right? You're being your honest, true, vulnerable self. And it's not like you're hiding anything in a way. You're being true as best as you can. And that integrity staying strong. Well, that's good. And then, I appreciate you sharing that. I've had it in my life and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast right now that are probably at some part of their life, whether it's a relationship or at work or whatever their journey is where they're just not sure if they keep going and keep going or do they quit again? It's probably, it's like your failing word. It's not a bad thing. Like, do you just call it quits and and start again in a different realm or got to identify your values first. It's serving you in your life. These are all the questions I know I'd ask myself based on what I'm hearing you say too is like, is it aligned with who I want to be, where I want to go, the things I'm passionate about? If it doesn't and it's only hurting me, why am I even investing any time or energy into those things? To me, it means it's a no-brainer, you know, to say no. Totally, but you and I are also very um, driven human beings, I would say. And so I've got no problem walking away from something that I know is not value alignment is out the window but I think where it can get tricky is relationships because you know you've got the rose colored glasses on and you're like oh but it feels so good and they're so good at all these other things but then that little bit is shitty or and and a cool thing I learned from my therapist like whenever you feel uncomfortable whether it be a relationship friendship business whatever and someone says something that kind of feels a bit off kind of sucker punches you a bit or you know when someone says something and it hurts you after and it hits you sometimes like even the next night or something you're like I wish I had the balls in the moment to be like what but my therapist always says always ask why someone does something to like it just be like hey hey what why'd you do that because it's not aggressive but it's calling out bullshit and so I've used that in meetings a lot and like asking why yeah, That's I did powerful. it in a relationship thing like a couple of years ago and he had his own mental health stuff going on, which I was fully aware of. And he goes, oh, maybe I'm a bit fucked up, but maybe you are too, Lola. And I said, "That's that's a really unfair thing to say to somebody. I was so deep in my therapy by this stage, so I saw the red flag yeah, and yeah. I was like, can I ask why you chosen to say that yeah that way to the girl that you're dating right now and he was like i fucked everything up and fully flipped out and i booked him with my therapist the next morning and i was like ah i quickly need a process he goes you've only got to do two things for me catch up with him in a neutral ground like just go to a coffee shop or something and he goes and and just number one ask if he was triggered the other night which he was but he may not be able to admit it and he said and number two he's like i need you to tell him that you see me as a therapist and i was like oh why will that matter and he's like just do it rock up coffee shop date and I was like oh did you feel triggered the other night and he was like no no I wasn't triggered at all like we were talking you and I were talking about toxic masculinity before and then he goes oh but every time I walk into a room Lola I want to headbutt everyone and I was like okay and then I was like okay I've got to say my second bit my therapist told me to say and so I was like oh you should also know I've got a therapist and I just watched the judgment like his inner monologue was yeah I knew you were fucked up like I could feel it and in that moment, I was like, I'll never see this guy again. And I just walked away, booked in with my therapist, cried it out. And my therapist said to me, when would you like to stop dating narcissists? And that was like a game changer for me. That's awesome. So, so that was a breakthrough for you. Yeah, totally. It's a huge breakthrough. But what a lesson. Like how lucky that 
guy into yeah, my life. Exactly. He was awesome in so many ways. Exactly. But you wouldn't have known the kind of people that you want in your life had that have not have happened or totally. you explored it as well yeah. and you challenged it. It could be seen in some people's lives as, oh, I lost a true love or I lost someone that could have been a great future, but calling it quits or failing or that didn't work out is very positive in my mind. I'm seeing you, I'm across the bench from you. you it's a weight off your shoulders. It's helped you in more ways than one. This is great. So you've mentioned a fair few times now that you see a therapist and all that sort of stuff. How important is seeing a mental health therapist or a mental health professional in your life in terms of your beliefs, but the way you attack your life in terms of your relationships, your goals, very goal-driven, your career? Non-negotiable. It's like A1. Why do you say that, Lola? So, for example, like a career setback like the other day when someone brought out a producting competition, I can process that so fast now, whereas I could be hung up on that for months and like be harboring all this like anger towards this person that wouldn't even be knowing I'd be feeling like crap. I mean, I'm sure a part of him wouldn't know that he'd crossed the line, but like give a shit, he's a high-powered businessman. Like I'm just little old Lola to him. So processing uncomfortable stuff real, real fast. I'm in a long-distance relationship and to give an example of like letting go of the more narcissistic version one, on my second date with boss, I was like, I'm getting this one out of the ballpark early on. I was like, yo, I've got a therapist. And his response was, I find that so attractive. I do too. And so just to show you the difference in people that have got the same value system as you. So I understand that having a therapist can be expensive as well, but it's just something for me, you talk about like your physical health. I know you love running, gym, you've got pescatarian diet, all of that kind of stuff. I see this as like looking after my brain. This is my workout for my brain. My therapist challenges me. We do hypnotherapy as well, which is like, really cool, quirky kind of way of looking after mental health. But of course, like I'm trained yoga teacher. I believe in yogs. I believe in meditation and I do all these different things. And my health, like I like to eat healthy 99% of the time. Sure, I absolutely stuff up and love a Reese's Buttercup every now and then. Why not? Yeah. They're, they're bloody great. <laughs> but I feel better mentally and physically. I just feel better when I'm honouring myself, looking after myself. And you spoke about on my pod self-care. And I would say that therapy for me is definitely my – and I, I know I bang on about it. I talk about it loads. It's because – I was so scared of a therapist for so long and I saw it as a mental weakness, especially moving through eating disorder stuff for so many years. I didn't start seeing a therapist until I was like 29, 30. So a lot later than when you probably should have is what you're Ten saying. Ten years later than I should, should what, have. Why was that? Eating disorder stuff started when I was like 22. And so imagine if I had a therapist like that relationship, like that toxic relationship with food went on for like seven years. Anytime I go through a breakup, I'd be like, oh, it's because I'm not skinny and pretty enough. I'm just going to starve myself. And so imagine if I had support earlier on. And so that's why I really want to normalize having a therapist. It's super normal here in America. It is, it is. But in Australia, there's still a little bit of a stigma. Even when I talk to my dad about it, I love my dad, but he's like, oh, um, your mother has a therapist too and you have a therapist. And I can tell he's like that old stickler, yeah, like Aussie male. Yeah, where he, it's not as comfortable for him, you know, so. Not a lot of understanding, not as much as yeah, we are these yeah. days. I really like that and I think it's important because there are a lot of people, again, probably listening that are on the verge of maybe seeking professional help or unsure whether they should or not. And I see a mental health professional, try to see one once a week. It's a big part of my self-care and it's great just to shoot the shit sometimes, you know, and talk about things that I'm struggling with or things that I'm going really well at and finding out why. It's good. Like I mentioned to you when we spoke earlier, off air on your potty, you don't just give up doing something self-care because you've reached a peak or you, you're happy with where you're at because like anything, it, it will deteriorate over time if you just forget about it and stop. So you, I keep going to the gym or I keep running because I enjoy it. It's self-care, but if I stop, I lose that self-care and I lose the fitness. My fitness is no good if I stop running for three weeks, you know what I mean? So I'll keep running. Same thing with my mental health. Yes, I can keep going to a mental health professional and I can keep learning, keep rewiring those brain thoughts and the, the neural pathways in my brain and keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger. I like to think of it as like building a, a six-pack 
in my brain because whatever gets thrown at me in my career or my personal life, I want to be able to mentally deal with that because, and again, we spoke about this as well, but you could crush a business or you could land a big acting role here in LA, right? That's your goal. Have your own talk show. Mm. But there's a lot of pressures that come with that. There's a lot of dealing with press, dealing with keyboard warriors, understanding what people are saying, whatever it is. And that brings itself a whole mentality side of your career path that if it's not sharp, it's likely to probably struggle. Ah, totally. That's why I'm a massive believer of ensuring that your mental health is is front and foremost. And that's what this show's all about. And I think you touched on this on my pod, but like I love with the therapy, like going when I feel really good. I think in Australia still it's like, oh, you go to a therapist because you're dealing with something you feel shitty. Shit. Yeah. yeah. I love going no matter what. Exactly. That's where the real growth is. Exactly. Exactly. You don't just go when you're in a red line. You don't go when, when you're on the spectrum of, of really struggling. Yeah. You keep going when you're at the end of I'm mentally killing, like going amazing. I'm going to keep going because I want to get better. And that's what it's all about. And, and there are a lot of support services out there, guys. So I know Lola mentioned it can be expensive, but I know in Australia they do mental health care plans. Yeah. And you can get up to 10, if not 20 uh, mental health visitations and, and bulk build and whatnot. So find one that works for you. It's all about finding the right fit. No doubt about that big believer but now let's just talk about you're an author yeah you've written 10 books how you're a weapon uh i don't think i'm that smart i'm not academic in my brain i'm a slow reader if you told me when i was at you know primary school i thought i'd be an actor i thought i'd be a comedian i'm gonna be the girl version of mr bean like that was my like dream as a kid <laughs> mr bean i thought it was hilarious right but yeah I think I started in morning TV. That was my start working in the entertainment industry. So I was like the health segment girl on a morning show called 9am with David and Kim, which was like the Good Morning Australia replacement show. I was 23, so I'm I turned 36 next week. So yonks and yonks like 13 years ago. And I remember when I first went on, my website broke because people were trying to buy a book that didn't exist. And my business partner at the time was like, we got to write a book. And so I just wrote my first book, self-published it on different segments I'd done on TV, like mood food, food to oh, make you Oh, within the book. Yeah, like whatever they'd ask me to talk about each week on tally, I'd then make it a new chapter of the book. Wow, okay. Because I had no idea how to write a book. Yeah, like in terms of structure and format and all that sort of Zero stuff. Zero idea. Like I said, I'm not academic at all. I would say I'm not super smart. I'm just, I love working hard. You've done a degree. You did, You went and did a, what was it? It's a health science degree at yeah, Endeavor. like I majored in nutritional medicine. I did it. But that's not easy to do. Right, but my first exam, my first chemistry exam, I got 31%. That's a fail, my friend. <laughs> but again, one. but again, what did you learn from that? Right. Actually, what I figured out is that my brain learns visually. And so I was trying to rote learn and it wasn't working. And so I had to make flip cards with like images next to different vitamins and I remember like, I think niacin is B2 or B3 and I drew someone wearing Nikes coming third in a race to remember that it was B3, like really weird things that, how, and how I lived in Burley where I was, yeah. I was studying at Southport. Studying on your Bogan accent. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and I'd walk that Burley headland with my flip cards and that's how I learned, studied for all of my exams. That's awesome. I had to figure out that I was a visual learner. Okay. So, so you figured out you're a visual learner. You finished your degree at Endeavour and, and Endeavour was online, was it in New In person, Southport. Uh, it was on the Gold Coast. So you did the Gold Coast because there's more than one, isn't there? Yeah, I They're started in, in Melbourne and, stuff, yeah. and then I finished my degree on the Goldie and Brizzy. Yep, cool. So then you took some of what you've learned from the morning show segment that you were on mm -hmm. um, to building out your first book, self-published it and everything else. Out of all 10 books, and we're going to talk about this 11th book, which is launching... November 1. In Australia, November 1, and you're going to be home for that. Yes. Fingers crossed. Had four flights bumped and cancelled. This is the fourth one. It's going to go ahead. It is going to go ahead. Vibes. We're going to get home and you're going to do a book tour and all that great stuff, which is actually going to be called the same title as this episode called Fearlessly Failing. Oh, I love your American twin. I want to try and say it American. Fearlessly Failing. There you go. Fearlessly Failing. I'll say it in Oz. But, um. Okay, so that's coming out November 1st. But out of the 10 books that you've done so far as an author, what has been the best book or the breakthrough book for you? The one that put me on the map was called The Happy Cookbook. Okay, why? 
it went bestseller straight away. I'd never had a bestseller in my life. And back then it was just Sarah Wilson, Pete Evans and I that wrote health. There were no other health authors in Australia. And it was bright. It was fun. It was like easy recipes. The premise behind all my recipes are gluten-free, dairy-free and refined sugar-free. So it's just whole foods, really. And I'd still use like because oats have a protein that's very similar to wheat but not the exact same like I'd have some recipes with oats and obviously preface it but it was just like really whole real honest ingredients and it was beautifully shot like I said I was, I'm a very visual person and so we'd spend two weeks on the shoot to be my most favorite part of it and like shooting acai bowls and oh, smoothies yeah, and like and then getting to write about it yeah you write you write it first you shoot it okay, last so, so you write it first the imagery in the book, that shooting last, is it? Yes. Or would you write that chapter, then shoot that chapter? No, no, no. So you, you like, I was lucky enough, I got signed to a very big publishing house in Australia called Pam McMillan. I yeah, did my huge. 10 books with them, or the first one I self-published, did the rest with them, and they were unreal. So I deliver a skeleton, which is like basically the idea and chapter ideas of a book, and then they'd be like, oh, we really like that one. Can you focus on that concept? So the Happy Cookbook was just like really good, clean recipes recipes and the intention behind it was just to make clean food fun and easy for people to implement in their lives that was all the premise there wasn't a diet or anything okay i'm interested to hear so okay so it was clean really simple recipes for people that they could pick up in the house kitchen anywhere yeah i mean there were some things i'd be like let's add duka spice to our eggs every now and then i got a bit fancy <laughs> a little bit complex people like me would have had no no chance oh um, until you taste no, it no. then you taste it and you're like actually I'm oh, gonna of course. Go buy, you know yeah, yeah of course I'd, i would have loved everything in it by the sounds of it and i can't believe i haven't read it so i will get it oh no i'll send you i'm gonna send you a pack when i get and back and nards to Australia. would love it in her perfect world if she wasn't doing what she's doing and singing and and modeling and whatnot she wants to be a cook a professional cook she loves it i'll send you guys i will get one from you as a gift to her i oh, know i'll send when i get back to australia i'm going to send you guys a pack because we're about to launch you know i've got the coffee company we're about to launch like a medicinal adaptogenic hot chocolate i feel like you guys could have that at night time as part of your nighttime ritual so it's for sleep so it's yeah. got like reishi ashwagandha oh yeah yeah nice relaxation stuff and no sugar monk fruit oh wow okay yeah, clean okay. i'm always interested so with these books right so you've done you've done your 10 books you're doing your 11th this is the one you're going home for fearlessly failing yeah coming out on november 1st people can buy it where booktopia booktopia is easy if you love ordering online but it'll be like kmart big w maya dimmix uh, it'll be every bookstore oh great in australia in australia that's, that's huge and then for americans book depository is book depository now in australia you mentioned that book pete evans and the other person was um was just the three of you yeah what makes a bestseller back then i think you only had to sell ten thousand units that's still a lot I feel like it's changed now. I don't know. I haven't been a bestseller. So my last two books weren't bestsellers and they nearly hit 10K but not quite. But to give you preface, like that Happy Cookbook, I think it sold close to 70,000 copies. It's huge. 70,000. Yeah. Yeah. It got an American release as well. Right. Yeah. So is that the same over here? Like when you see like I, I almost look at every book now when I buy it, it says New York Times bestseller, New York Times bestseller. How many copies does that mean that they've sold? I don't know what the rules okay, are in America. I imagine more. Well, because there's more people, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, that's why you and I are here. Yeah. You, to crack it here yeah. is like you crack the world, basically. Yeah. But in Australia, it's different rules. I don't even know what I need to hit to be a bestseller in Australia for this next book, but I know what our targets are. So I know what I'm going for, if that makes yeah, wow. sense. Okay. Can you share that? I mean, I'd be wanting by Chrissy 20,000 copies, that's but amazing. I mean... Who Absolutely. knows in this climate, well, if Australia's still too. in lockdown, it'll be really hard. If I can't get back to promote it, it'll be really hard. So there's a lot of, I know I sound really calm, but I'm kind of stressed about yeah, getting yeah. home and stuff right now. Fingers crossed. We're all thinking and making sure that you get home and it gets all sorted for you and so that you can spread some love with this book. So I'm sure no doubt it will help a lot of people, a lot of people. The last question I wanted to talk about was around the publishing side. So do they have a lot of say over how, how your books go and what they look like? Are they funding the copies, are they? Is that how it works? Is it like me going to sign up with a music artist, like a Universal or something? Very similar. But, I mean, like I've learned to negotiate yeah, yeah, over the years and I've learned I would give anyone listening to this, an actor, an author, a musician, anybody that's in the entertainment industry, yes, of course, you've got to have your management team and whatnot, but get yourself an entertainment lawyer changes everything 
because I've got different managers. Like I've got a podcast manager, I've got an acting manager, I've got a, a manager for all Lola Berry things. And so everyone's got contracts and if you don't have a really great entertainment lawyer that their one goal is to protect you, <laughs> it can get really messy really quickly. So like now I won't do things until my lawyer has had a squeeze. And given the green, like the tick of approval. Yeah, or they'll like- just be like, oh, let's just change this, this and this. As you know, like my dream is America, so I'll always be protecting the American dreams so that I can bring stuff over here. But as far as like who's in charge, I mean, publisher usually gets final say. That's how it just rolls with a big publisher, but they're taking the risk. You're not. So financially much less of a risk on me. That said, I bought from my front cover shoot, I bought the licensing for all of those images because I want to own them. I'm going to change all my podcast artwork when it comes out as well to match the book and I want to be able to use that that for all of my book promo and all of my press and that still comes at a cost. I really wanted to bring on an amazing editor for this book. I flipped half the bill for that because I wanted a really great, incredible editor that I knew would keep my voice honest. And so, yes, they're taking the risk, but I've also learned through all the other books that, like, you can build your team and if you really believe in it and are willing to throw a bit of cash at it, you can really build. Like, this book is so honestly me. That's great. Hey, I love that. But it took a bit of, like, I had to sell in the editor I wanted, you know. And you you probably had to say no to certain people and be more selective with certain people. and And the publicist that I've bought on, I bought the publicist on. I was like... This publicist comes with me. This this is part of my part of your package. A hundred percent. She's amazing. Shout out, Jane. You're amazing. Jane, where's Jane, Jane from? Sids. Sids. Shout yeah. out to you, Jane. Well, Lola, it's been amazing to chat with you. I just want to say a massive thank you for being a part of the podcast and being a part of It Ain't Week to Speak and sharing some of your wisdoms and insights and and all the great stuff that you're doing. There's a lot of things that we probably didn't touch on, but look, I'll uh, I'll share everything in the show notes with our crew and spread the love as best as we can. Thank you so much for having me on and thank you to your listeners. I Like I am a huge fan now of your pod and I've consumed about five eps and I can't wait to listen to more. So honoured to be here, my friend. Thank you, Lola. Big love. Take care and we'll speak soon. Thank you again for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. Please like, share and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you. But in the meantime, stay well, keep living and remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you and have a top day. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.